Hi, I'm Mel Majoros. I am a three-year cancer survivor. My blog, The Cancer Warrior, is one of the top ten breast cancer blogs according to blogs.com. I'm here to bring a fresh, upbeat perspective to a topic that to some may seem scary. A positive mental attitude got me through my cancer, and I hope to share that with you. Today we're talking non-Hodgkin's lymphoma with Charlene McMahon-Seaman and Scott Seaman. How are you today, everyone? We're doing well. How are you, Mel? We're doing fine. How are you doing? Awesome. So Scott is the cancer survivor, 12 years of non-Hodgkin's lymphoma. Just tell me a little bit about like how you found out, and we'll go from there. Well, we were going to Disney World, not because we won the Super Bowl, but because my <laughs> wife is a Disney nut. And I had uh, feeling a little bit weird for a couple of days before, some uneasiness and heaviness in my chest. It wasn't the excitement from going to Disney World? No, and in fact, Charlene <laughs> thought I was just complaining to try and get out of the trip so I can keep working. <laughs> but, but before we went, she said, you got to get checked out and mm-hmm. uh, went to an emergency room. Ultimately, uh, they thought it was a heart attack but they uh, because of the, the pressure on my chest. But it, uh, they took an x-ray, saw tumors the size of baseballs in my chest, and my adventure started. And we didn't get to Disneyland for several months. Oh. Yeah, Disney World, yeah. Way to go, Scott. Instead, he wound up in the hospital. So. Oh. So what, do they stage lymphoma or non, non-Hodgkin's lymphoma, I should say? They do, and I was stage three. Oh, wow. Um, so I went through um, surgery. I had, mm-hmm. uh, it was pretty invasive by the time we found it. It was heading in my heart, so I had surgery, uh, followed by chemotherapy, then radiation. And then they found out I was a lawyer, so they tried electrocution. <laughs> Not a lobotomy? They wouldn't try that? With the no, nothing was there to detect it on that kid. <laughs> so did all of that, did that cure you, as they say? I don't know if I want to use that word, but did that get rid of your cancer and that you were cancer-free? You haven't had any uh, recurrences since then? That's right. It's been over 12 years, and I've been cancer-free. Excellent. So then within that 12 years, when did you start your advocacy? Like right uh, away, or did you just kind of... Right away, and, and it wasn't me. I wanted really no part of it because I'm a lawyer, so the idea of helping other people never really even occurred to me. Right. That's exact opposite of how you lawyers think, isn't it? Yeah. And so my wife said, no, no. I said, honey, we can't speak the word cancer anymore. And she said, oh, we're going to speak the word, and we're going to get out there and make sure that other people don't go through what you went through. And so awesome. uh, she's dragged me kicking and screaming uh, into the advocacy, fundraising, and cancer awareness world. And uh She's helped a lot of people along the way. So, Charlene, let's get to you. I know that you're part of, you both founded the Chicago Blood Cancer Foundation. Tell me more about that and when that started. Well, uh, we we started that about a year ago. Mm-hmm. And uh, we we basically, after Scott was diagnosed, like you said, I just, I just felt like we needed to help somebody else who right. was going through this because we went through the horrible things. So. You know, I did kind of a letter-writing campaign fundraiser to just friends and raised about, I don't know, $10,000, and, you know, we gave it to the hospital. And then we were working with this one uh, organization, and we uh, we got into doing a lot of stuff. We started a chapter, started a, a 5K walk. We did galas and raised over, like, $3 million in Chicago and did educational things and I like how you just say that, like, very blase. Oh, we just raised about $3 million. Well, <laughs> mm. yeah. I'll put a lot of yeah, with the help people of a lot of, of, well, yes, a lot of, of course. Yeah, but um, 
we uh, we just decided to do our own thing because we wanted to make sure, like, the, you know, the money was going because we volunteer. We This is all volunteer for us. We get nothing from this. Matter of fact, we put some of our money into right. it. So um, we wanted to make sure, like, uh, everything, you know, was going through to the actual uh, research. And so we, we kind of decided to work with a lot of Chicago hospitals and universities for research funding mm-hmm. and stuff. So we want to make sure, and we kind of know where the funding's going, and we actually pick hospitals that we can work with and partner with on trying to get the research for uh, new new treatments or cures. We we're looking for cures. So exactly. it's kind of like a heartstring for us. So in the meantime, just for your listeners, if they're interested, yes. it's chicagobloodcancer.org is where they can reach us. Awesome. And, Thank you. You know, we've got some information we do uh, like you uh, a little bit of a radio thing on the internet where we have information about all types of cancer on our radio show, oh, which we call Battling and Beating Cancer. And then we do a TV show in Chicago by the same title uh, that focuses on blood cancer. And we wrote a book called Battling and Beating Cancer. And when you get old, if you keep everything the same title, there's less for you to forget. <laughs> <laughs> we do that a lot. We just keep the same name on everything. <laughs> yeah, do you just have to remember to re-register with GoDaddy? Exactly. And then, you know, if someone else takes it the next day, then you're kind of screwed there, right? Yeah, well, we're not with GoDaddy. So we're, well, you know what I'm yeah, saying. Yeah, we're with, yeah, we, just, we keep one name, it's easy that way. So, because like you said, we're getting older, we forget. So, <laughs> so I'm, I'm just surprised at how much you do, because I didn't know that you did the TV show as well. Well, we do, and you can even watch, and your listeners can see how ugly I am and how. Oh, I can. Know, I, I can. I'm sorry. Convincing I must be to you know get a beautiful woman like Charlene to marry me, uh, and you can download things at ChicagoBloodCancer.org or look at them. And now you know, you know, Mel. He only says these things when he's on air or when he's talking to people. Mm-hmm. When we're at home, I'm just ugly. So <laughs> I, I, I'm picturing him with a mirror, just just preening over himself because he is a yeah. lawyer and everything, you know. So. <laughs> No mirrors on me. But, you know, <laughs> the thing about it is, and you're a survivor, and mm-hmm. you, you've gone through the battle. You know what it's like. And yet there's some differences between breast cancer and, and blood cancer. Mm-hmm. Uh, you have a few advantages. Everybody loves breast. Everybody knows where they're located. The type of cancer has the word, you know, cancer right after it. But what we found when we started out, nobody knows what lymphoma is. Many right. people don't know what leukemia is. Mm-hmm. But you know, lymphoma is cancer. You can't spell it. You know, you can't find it. And so we, we don't get the publicity or the awareness to the disease. And yet it, take, it accounts for almost 10% of the cancer diagnoses and deaths in, in the U.S. But the flip side of that is virtually every major treatment for cancer has come from lymphoma and leukemia, everything from chemotherapy, the combination chemotherapy, radiation, stem really? cell transplantation, even tamoxifen. Yeah, tamoxifen. Oh. So, tamoxifen was really found with uh, doing research for lymphoma. and uh, didn't work on lymphoma, yeah. but, oh. as you know, works on some breast cancer. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So I have, I have leukemia to thank for my hot flashes. Is that what you're saying? Yes. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Not that we want to take credit for oh, it. But. Well, yeah, there but, you go. I mean, I know as, as a breast cancer survivor, I know there's a lot of uh, breast cancer survivors out there who feel that, you know, taking the spotlight in October for, you know, the whole, as people call it, pink washing and everything, um, 
I call myself a cancer advocate. A lot of people call themselves a breast cancer advocate or whatever. But, you know, to me, cancer, you know, whatever month you were diagnosed in, you know, I wasn't diagnosed in October. Every breast cancer per, uh, patient wasn't diagnosed in October. And I feel that, you know, every month is insert breast cancer insert. I'm sorry. Every month is insert cancer name here for me. Yeah. You know, yeah. Well, you know, I, I, and that kind of goes back to where I was, too, because before Scott was diagnosed with lymphoma, mm-hmm. uh, you know, I had a lot of cancer in my family. My mother, was a, she was a breast cancer survivor, colon mm-hmm. cancer survivor. Wow. I have it all through my family. My, you know, every kind of cancer. My uh, cousin died of pancreatic cancer. Wow. My other cousin died of rectal cancer. My other cousin is breast cancer and ovarian cancer, and my father, lung cancer, of course, he was a smoker. And mm-hmm. about two years before Scott was diagnosed, our friend died of uh, cancer, lung cancer, metastasized lung cancer. So I don't know. It was just there's so much cancer uh, in my family and around us. My friend had bone cancer like 30-something years ago, my best friend. And wow. I don't know. It was kind of like when Scott got lymphoma, it was just like, all right, I've had it. I'm <laughs> done with this. Exactly. You know? I said, you're not taking my husband, too. I just got kind of mad. And, and it, you know, so I guess we do, we do uh, you know, we do stuff with blood cancer because I kind of picked a cancer. Let's just do blood cancer because it was kind of like my wit's end. But, right. I mean, we are an advocate, too, like you say. You know, it's, it's like all cancers because, oh, you exactly. know. Oh, I'm not putting I'm not putting you down. I'm just saying, you know, there's a lot, like you were saying, breast cancer there's a lot of uh awareness yeah. for that because yeah. breasts yeah. are sexy but you know what if you don't have the blood to pump to the breasts and everywhere then where are you going to be nowhere right exactly yeah you know? the point is like you say you know it is all cancer yeah. mm-hmm. there's different diseases but there's a lot of synergy you know the research in one area helps another area yeah exactly yeah and, and that's, what we, that's what we find, too, because, you know, you, you'll see that they do uh, different research. I mean, and they, and they cross, you know, chemotherapies all the time. So, right. you know, it's uh, even when there's research in one area, it can help. Maybe it won't help that cancer, but it helps another cancer. So, And I, and I think it's just starting to get to the point where researchers and uh, technicians and everything are finally saying, oh, well, maybe we can all help oh. each other. Because yeah. I think, I think, yeah. I can, I talked to, um, you probably know Matt Zachary of stupidcancer.com. He, um, sure. we had talked about something during uh, an empowerment rally. It's like, they all think of the body as pieces and they need to start thinking of it as a whole. Yeah. To start, yeah. you know. And it's two sort of polar things because on the one hand, you have to think of everything as holistic. And on the other hand, you know, the more and more we learn about the microbiology of cancer, the more it is that, you know, every cancer is different. Right. And, you know, so for lymphoma, when I started dealing with it 12 years ago, we used to say there's a couple dozen types of non-Hodgkin's. Now, you know, there's more than 60 types. Wow. And, you know, within that, almost every cancer is different. And we're getting to the personalized age of treatment where, you know, they're going to run chemos and other treatments by your particular cancer to see what responds uh, the best. Yeah. I mean, we've been we've been interviewing a lot of doctors, and there's a lot of things on the horizon. Uh, with uh, I mean, and now I've even uh, read recently that uh, there's going to uh, they're working on a blood uh, a blood test that will determine if you have cancer cells in your body. So, right. And and some of the doctors have said there are more 
you're getting more into um, specializing cancer treatment with genetics, uh, your genes and everything. So, I mean, there's a lot of stuff on the horizon. That's why we need the research. And that's why these researchers and doctors, they need to work together. And I, I think mm-hmm. you're correct with that. They are starting to work together finally after so many years of trying to just do their own research and be specific. And I think that's where we're making some uh, leaps and bounds here with uh, cancer because they have to work together. And it's, it, I think it used to be years ago, you know, the, the researchers, they wanted to be the one to find the cure, but it, it doesn't work that way so right. much. Um, and, I, and I think, you know, you and I and the people, the other advocates on Facebook and Twitter and everything, I think we have a little bit to do with that because of all of our postings and repostings about medical information I think the medical community is finally waking up and seeing uh, what part the advocates play in this whole uh, cancer research and uh, just basically support community. Yeah, and that's one of the things that we we uh, at uh, Chicago Blood Cancer Foundation, when we started it, that was one of the big things that we want uh, through the universities that we are working with we want to partner with them, and we want them to work together. So that's kind of how we kind of approach them, too. We want them to work together. If they have maybe a clinical trial they, you know, that they're working on or something, or they know something, then they need to kind of come together with the same efforts. And if they have a patient that uh, they know can go into their clinical trial, well, then we want them to send the patient there. So we want them to kind of start working together, too. And we have found in Chicago that... They're, they're, they're doing that now. They're, the universities here are doing more and more with that, and, and that's what we have to do. We have to reach out because that's where we're going to, together, we're all going to find the cure. And I think you're right with the advocacy and people. There's so many cancer patients now, and, and I think we're kind of forcing them to do that in a way or pushing them in that area. And it's really incumbent upon us as cancer survivors and caregivers and loved ones to lead the way to the cure, we have to exercise the leadership. We may not have the medical skills or the, you know, technical knowledge, but by fundraising, raising awareness, by requiring drug companies to be responsible, by requiring researchers to be responsible, by working with them, by fostering relationships, we are making a difference, and we're hastening the pace of treatments and developments for everybody because, you know, they're going to be doing some of that but by us getting involved and being active. Uh, exactly. I agree. And and I always say, as an advocate, if somebody doesn't want to get involved, that's why I'm here. And that's why you're here as well. Because not everyone uh, is as much in the public eye as, as we are. You know, right. now that you're a TV and radio star, which I didn't know, but, you know. <laughs> Nobody else does either. Yeah, I, I, I didn't go that far. <laughs> you know, you could say TV, but I wouldn't say star, you know. <laughs> but really, you know, we're takers because, uh, you know, my view is, and when we go to educational conferences, we say, you know, bingo, all you guys are doing the right thing. You have to be aware of your disease, of the treatment right. available, mm-hmm. of your options. That's step number one. But you have an obligation to yourself and to others diagnosed and who will be diagnosed with cancer to help. And, you know, you got to get through your treatments and you got to make it first of all. But whether it's money that you can lend whether or add to the cause, whether it's a dollar or a lot of money, whether it's time, whether it's effort, whether it's petitioning, you know, spending five minutes to write your congressman or senator, there's something every one of us can do to help all of us. 
Exactly. And that really makes a difference. And, you know, when you're living in a world where one out of two men and more than one out of three women will hear the scariest words in their lifetime, you have mm-hmm. cancer. Uh, unless you're a, a healthy hermit, you're going to be impacted by the disease. Yeah, and that's another thing, too, because we have people come to us and say, well, I can't fundraise, I can't do that. But like Scott said, there are other things you can do. Even after Scott was uh, done with his treatments, I, I got all the information. We got in to see, I don't know, Congressman Hyde. He's passed away since. But um, we got in to see him, and it's, you know, you just contact your uh, senators. And, you know, get mm-hmm. the word out there, because that's where a lot of the funding comes from, the National Cancer Institute. And we actually went to see him because we were trying to get some funding passed through him and um and it was in uh it was a bill that was going to be passed at the appropriations bill and so we went to see him and it was really weird because he spent about forty minutes with us, which he was very, very nice and he didn't even know what lymphoma was because nobody ever contacted him. He didn't know he didn't even know it was a cancer. And then he started telling us about his bladder cancer, his wife died of ovarian cancer. Oh. So yeah, it, you know, you don't know unless you go out there, and it's very easy just to write. Just you, you, Nowadays, you can do it on the Internet just for, you know, send an email to your, your, you know, congressman or senator, because a lot of the funding comes from there, too, with the private sector. But, you know, um, so there exactly. is something you can do. You can volunteer. You can mm-hmm. do anything. It's, you can give back without just giving money. And go get yeah. somebody's groceries. When yes. 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 Exactly. You know, yes. Charlene used to go shopping for people or take them to the doctor or help them get appointments or, you know, sometimes they're in a little bit of a fog because obviously when you're confronted with all this information, you don't know what to do and not everybody, you know, has family or uh, people around them that can help them. So there's something we can do. And you, you know yourself, well, maybe... Maybe you thought, you know, the moment you were diagnosed that you were going to be this radio star. <laughs> no. <laughs> but you're probably like us, which is you just started doing things, and then, you know, you're amazed at what happens, and you sort of are part of a fuel with other people mm-hmm. that mm-hmm. burn some energy toward a cure and toward helping people. Yeah, yeah. I, I agree. I mean, if you had told me, because when I went to school, and the, and the funny thing is, is I went to school for TV production, and we were talking before the show that I, when I was out in L.A., I worked behind the scenes in television and if you had told me like when I graduated high school and everything that I was going to do if I was going to be out there and you know have my face on and I'm still shocked about that that Chicago Tribune piece and just be all over the internet and everything and be kind of like one of the voices of cancer I'd be like what you're crazy yeah no, there's yeah. no there's no way blogs yeah 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 yeah. I don't even know what the hell a blog is, but congratulations. <laughs> <laughs> no, I, I, I do, so that's, that's okay. I have to explain things to him sometimes. I'm a dinosaur. <laughs> but you know what? And, and it's funny, too, because uh, I, before I did this, I was in the corporate world, uh, mm-hmm. vice president, president of corporate, and that was my thing, the big corporate world. If, if you would have told me I would have been doing this today, too, I would have said, no way. You know, but I, I think sometimes in life, Things happen to you, and, you know, life experiences put you in a pathway to go different ways. And mm-hmm. I think I think this, you know, like with Scott, I said, I think this is where we're supposed to be. Right, and I've talked to, you know, a lot of people on this show, the show, and I'm sure you have on your show where they feel the same way. We're like, okay, you know, this is what I'm supposed to do. This is my purpose. I mean, some people believe in fate, some people don't. But, you know, I think if I wasn't doing this, I don't. I, I just yeah. don't know, yeah. you know. 
Well, it's just, we go back to Oprah many, many years ago, and she's having <laughs> programs all the time, you know. What's your purpose in life? And I used to sit there, because I was doing the corporate thing, like I said. And I used to say, what's my purpose in life? I don't know. I, I can't figure it out. Well, you know, sometimes it's just, you, you may not be able to figure it out, but it's there, or it comes to you. Right. And, and you don't even realize until after maybe 12 years down the road, you're saying, <laughs> I, this is what I was supposed to do. Mm-hmm. You know, it's just... Because you can't, it becomes like uh, it's it's part of your your life, or it's part of your existence, or it's just part of you. And I think that's how you kind of find out what your purpose is. It's just you have to look inside and say, "This is it. Exactly. You know, I, this must be it." You know. Well, the other thing I think is important now, especially in these economic times, but always with with there are a lot more nonprofits than there used to be, mm-hmm. struggling all for cash and everything. And it's important for. Uh, the smaller nonprofits like us and advocates like all of us really to work together and find ways to work exactly. together to avoid this competitive yeah. sense. Yeah. Mm-hmm. We're all in it to cure this disease mm-hmm. and help people. And, you know, there's room for all of us and uh, let's work together. And that's uh, one of the great things that you do. Yeah. Well, uh, yeah. Go ahead, Charlene. I'm sorry. Yeah, we, we do find that too in like some of these large organizations competition and stuff and mm-hmm. and i don't know it to us it's like we we reach out to organizations and we want to work with them we want to you know do fundraisers we want to do educational things with them because like, like scott i mean scott and i are are not in here to make dollars or anything and and that's i think that i think it's that's one of the things too is is, is because i think when you find your purpose it, it, it is a part of you it's like in your heart or something right and it it's you know, you want to reach out and you want to, you want to, it's not about, and so I think some people get lost in the big, or, you know, organizations mm-hmm. or something, and they, it's too competitive or, you know, well, we, and I know everybody's fighting for fun and funding and stuff, but they kind of forget about the purpose. You exactly. Know, what, what is the purpose that we're here? And we're here to find a cure. And that's why we have to work. And again, we'll go back to the researchers. They, they do the same thing, but I think, People are starting to know now you, you were here for one reason, and that's to find a cure to stop cancer in general. Right. So, we're, we're all here to put ourselves out of a job, basically. That's, that's what I like to say. It's like, yeah. I, that's my job is to, is to put myself out of a job. Yes. Right. Yes. You know. yes. And then, so, of course, the lawyer and Scott will be like, I don't know about that, but I'm just kidding. <laughs> No, this job I want to be put out of because yes. it costs me a lot of time and a lot yeah. of money. <laughs> yes. I see a lot of pain and, and misery. Yeah. And mm-hmm. can avoid that. <clears throat> you know, the humanomic costs right. of cancer are just unbelievable. Right. And the people who, you know, and I don't want to get into whether you are for or against health care, but, you know, people who don't have insurance won't necessarily go to the doctor if they find out they have cancer or, you know, if they went physical wise and it's like, you know, it's, it's your life, you know, so what, I mean, I still owe money for my medical bills and I had insurance, but you know what, if they said, well, you know, you'll either, you know, owe all this money or you'll be alive. I mean, what, which would you rather have? Okay. So I owe a lot of money. Big deal. I'm still here, you know, exactly. Exactly. I mean, I know it shouldn't be that way that, you know, you have to worry about going broke or, you know, that whatever, but you know, yeah. there's, I mean, I've had friends pass away because I hear that they didn't want to go because they didn't have insurance. And it's like, uh, yeah, well, you know. Charlene's working with a couple of people, you know, in that boat right now, mm-hmm. one with, you know, a lump in her breast, won't mm-hmm. go. And, mm-hmm. you know, uh, it's, 
because she's between jobs and that sort of thing. And, mm-hmm. You know, we all we all know the importance. But the, you know, the good thing is, even you know, whether you wherever you stand, and we don't want to get political, right? But um, there's always ways. Uh, yeah. Uh, and and Charlene's able to even in the existing system, you can always find someone. Right. Some hospital, some treater, some way. To get well, treat. well, they have to take you. I mean, that's the thing. They're not going to say exactly. you you have cancer. Well, you're yeah. out of here. Yeah. You know, and uh, and you can and, always. And again, sometimes you have to go around the system a little to get there. But go right. through the ER. Yes. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Through mm-hmm. the ER or something. But um, little hint there, folks. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but you know, we've always been a fighter for even people who don't have insurance. And even when we went to see Congressman Hyde. Um, I guess we did such a great presentation that uh, through him that they asked um, they asked me to go in and, and go on a panel nice. uh, for people who weren't getting stem cell trans- they weren't allowing stem cell or bone to Medicaid wouldn't pay for um, stem cell or bone um, uh, I'll, I'll get it out here bone marrow transplant and mm-hmm. they asked me to go and, and testify with this panel so uh, we can kind of you know tell them why it's important for them to be able to pay because they won't pay for stuff like that. So uh, we do advocate for people who don't have insurance or can't get this, the same medical care. I mean, it's so, a constant right. battle, those of us in the lymphoma world, uh, you know, with radioimmunotherapy yeah. several years ago. So, Here's a, a therapy that's curative to some types of lymphoma that uh, previously were not uh, able to be cured or were viewed as maybe being able to be put on a remission long term. And uh, the um, Medicare Medicaid funding system was going to fund it out of existence. Oh, now, and now, is that like radiation? A radioimmunotherapy. So what it would be is like a monoclonal antibody, like rituxan, which is okay. sort of a smart chemo that targets the cancer cells and not the healthy cells. Okay. And thought you and uh, the thought you used to be that it would um, directly kill the cells, but in actuality, what it does is it harnesses an immune reaction. So rituxan is almost standard therapy for most forms of lymphoma now. It wasn't even FDA approved or on the market when I had it 12 years ago. Wow. But you, when that's combined with a radioactive isotope, so it, it delivers radiation directly there. So not only do you harness a, an immune reaction, but you also uh, deliver radiation right there to zonk uh, the cancer. And that's been an effective treatment for uh, follicular lymphomas. And, uh, Which there is no no cure for so right. well now some of us believe that yeah. uh, in some is, cases it is cured yeah because mm-hmm. people who would not be here if they didn't have it and again the uh, drug companies are trying to um the drug company is trying to uh, get rid of it basically because of the cost well yeah years ago the battle that we fought was because medicare uh, reimbursement was going to threaten it and now one of the two manufacturers has cut back its supply so we're doing battle on that front as well so it's a constant battle you know not only to get these treatments to market which as you know is expensive and, and right. but then to keep them on yeah so we just we've been on a panel and, and even talking to the doctor who basically founded it and uh uh we're trying to keep keep it on keep it on the market pretty much for uh people to get yeah, it's it's sad when you have to be on a panel that to tell people well this will save lives well it's not. I don't know if that's really cost-effective, you know. Yeah, yeah, and, and, and the thing is, we know so many people that have, as a matter of fact, that woman I was telling you about, the um, uh, one who did pass away, mm-hmm. she got an infection, 
she actually, her life was, um, and I mean, she had a good quality life. She was out gardening and doing everything that she couldn't do before. She was pretty much laying in bed with this, uh, uh, she had a mass in the size of her stomach with lymphoma. It was the size of a pizza. That's how bad she was. Wow. And she was pretty, pretty sick. And um, she got into this uh, radiant therapy, and she got into the treatment, and it gave her another two years quality life of her, her life. And she would say to me, Charlene, you know, I'm, I, I just sit and wait for something to fall because I'm feeling so good and everything's so good. And unfortunately, you know, it didn't. It didn't last for her, but it does last. You have other patients out 12 right. years, yeah, 14 12 years. and they're just, they're living their normal life. So, I mean, it, it, it is, uh, they are kind of saying it can be a cure for some people. Like some treatments work for some and some don't. Right. But uh, we know people who are living today, and, and it kind of, when, when you see people living from it and you say, okay, you know, why would you take it away? Mm-hmm. It just, you know, it, it just, it's frustrating for us. Charlie and I have no idea why they had you on the panel. You're not passionate at all. Sorry. No, I, I exactly, mm. no. She's <laughs> a pain in the rump, let me tell you. <laughs> now, let's not get into your marriage or anything, but, um, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, getting back to, like, the smaller organizations, the one thing I like about um, our cancer community is I know that, you know, as the founders of the Chicago Blood Cancer Foundation, I can always call you up. I know I can call up Matt Zachary of Stupid Cancer, uh, Johnny Immerman. Yeah, you know, I don't with Johnny because we just uh, were proud to present him with the Jefferson Award for his great work. We had a big thing in in November, and what a guy he is! Oh, yeah, awesome. Even though he doesn't look like an angel, so his um, <laughs> but some of his angels do. Yes, yeah. Now, what is what is the Jefferson Award for listeners who aren't aware? It's the Nobel Prize for Public and Community Service, and Charlene won't say it, so I will. She actually won a Jefferson Award in 2008 for her cancer work. Nice. And the guy who founded the Jefferson Awards with Jackie Kennedy Onassis and Senator Taft fell in love with her and put her on the National Board of Selectors. And so uh, the idea is to recognize people who are doing good things, both locally and nationally, without the expectation of credit, not just for recognition, but also to encourage others to get involved because it's really people in our country volunteering and believing that one person can make a difference that's made our country great. Exactly. Exactly. And if you go, if you, go you, can, you can catch what we do, too, at JeffersonAwards.org. Um, uh, so, um, so JeffersonAwards.org, ChicagoBloodCancer.org. <laughs> or CharleneAndScott.org. Really? Yeah, we have. We have. We started with our own website because we started putting things on there, and then, of course, we we co-founded the uh, uh, Chicago Blood Cancer, and so we have that website too. So, it, I'll tell you one thing, Mel. It's really hard to keep up with the website. <laughs> Isn't it hard updating all the time? It's just you know, it's just it's time consuming. It is, and I have somebody who actually did my website for free, and I'm like, okay, I gotta I gotta be able to get on there, which was just totally amazing of them. I'd help them with some. Uh, PR work and they're like, oh, I see your, you know, I just had like a GoDaddy parts site. I don't, you know, I can do Facebook, like I can tell you how to do that. But when it comes to a website, I'm like, you know, I don't want to be on the phone with these people, you know, because well, did a nice. Those folks did a nice job. Your website looks. Yeah. Well, I appreciate that. And you know, when they said they were going to do it, I just figured, well, you know, they'll just do something kind of small and it'll be whatever. And then when I saw it, I literally almost started to cry because I I was just so amazed. 
Well, you're lucky. We did our own website. So <laughs> it, it, let's put it this way. It is what it is. You know? So, but we did the best we could. So, oh, you, you did a good job. Well, it's, it's, okay. it's an okay job, but you know what? It gets the stuff out there. So, so if anybody wants to hear our story or our, our tips, our pointers on, you know, how to, how to survive your hospital stay. Yeah. Yes. doctors uh, won't tell you uh, all the organizations and resources or a section we call Deposing Your Doctors, the questions <laughs> that ask with each step of the process. Yeah, that's, that's, that's in our book. <laughs> and also, you know, a medical notebook so you can carry this book right in with you, chart all your medical information, write your questions down. Uh, the book is Battling and Beating Cancer. You can get it at chicagobloodcancer.org or charlineandscott.org, mm-hmm. Amazon, all of those places. <laughs> and all of the money, you know, any of the proceeds that doesn't go to the publisher goes to cancer research. Yeah. You know what I wanted to ask you, Mo, because yes. you deal with so many cancer patients, too. This is one of my big, big, big sticklers. And, again, I've seen so many people that have died because of infections because their blood counts so low or they're mm-hmm. in infection mode. Do you do you feel? I mean, I I can go into another another thing where my <laughs> the infection stuff where my mother actually died from getting infections, but she oh. wasn't. Yeah, she survived blood cancer, uh, uh, breast cancer, and colon cancer, and heart surgery and everything, and then she gets infections in the, in the hospital and died from that. But that's another story um, that I, I work on. I'm kind of passionate about too, but. Do you see a lot of people, because, you know, I, we see a lot of even young people. We had this young girl, she was in her 20s. She was uh, getting chemo. She was going to go through a stem cell transplant. She was jogging one day, and the next day she was dead, pretty Why? much. Well, how was she jogging if she was? Well, she, she got an infection. Her blood counts went low, and she got an infection. And when they're low, it's very hard to catch up with it. And then your, org- your infection gets into your bloodstream, and then... Your organs start shutting down, and there's really even all the antibiotics can't catch up with it at that time. So we see a lot of people that this happens to, and um, I didn't, you know, I'm a big stickler on that. So I always tell people, watch your blood counts, watch your Mm -hmm. blood counts. Oh yeah. Keep people away from you who are sick and stuff when you're going through chemo. So she used to make me wear a mask on the train. I did. And (laughs) you know, at first I was real reluctant. But then I realized I always got to sit by myself. <laughs> maybe the, maybe she wanted you to sit by yourself. <laughs> no, I, I was kind of, uh, maybe I was overly protective with him. I used to get off the train, I'd wipe him down with antibacteria. So, but well, I, I mean, you kind of have to be, and, and that's the other thing that, you know, you have to be your own advocate. Yeah. And there's a lot of people who... You know, are are just too nervous and like, you know, you have your book with your information and like you said, the notebook, you kind of have to, sometimes doctors won't tell you everything. I mean, there isn't one, there isn't a standard for doctors when you're diagnosed with cancer to say, okay, here is what's going to happen, which there should be, you know, I mean. Questions and to literally block the door (laughs) at the oncologist's office. Because he would try and run out, and she would not let him leave until all of her questions were answered. Exactly. And, you know, that's the most important thing that I that I tell my listeners is, you know, one, if you don't like your doctor, fire them. Because, fire them. because yeah, there's lots of other doctors out there. I mean, you're going to be with this person for possibly a year or more. You know, hmm. is, is this someone, you know, if they have no personality, and if, you know... As you know, I have a pretty wacky sense of humor, so my doctors surprisingly dealt with me pretty well. 
Um, but, you know, there are some people who are uncomfortable around their doctors and, you know, yeah. they need to figure out and see if this is the person they want to be spending their basically the next possibly rest of their life with because as you know we just keep going and you know every month every three months you'll get scans and then every six months and blah 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 but yeah don't like they don't like to have questions like you know how many of these procedures have you done you know how many times has the patient survived what is the average survival rate you know a lot of doctors don't like that and you know so i always say if it comes down between the technical skill and the bedside manner go with the technical skill every time but Almost in every case, you can get a doctor that has the whole thing, the whole package, somebody that's technically good, that's on top of their game, but also that you can communicate with and feel comfortable with because you are the patient and it's your life. Exactly. And even with Scott, I mean, this is how involved I got with Scott. I I guess I was, I mean, I could see where I was probably a pain in the butt, but I didn't care. He was my husband and I didn't want him to die. Mm -hmm. Exactly. I just took control. I just, you know. She went down in the basement and <laughs> she didn't like the radiation plan the radiologist had because she thought it was giving too much radiation to my heart and lungs. Well, and the reason. But she redesigned it with the. I did. <laughs> yeah. And they were very patient with me. But you know what? I went on. I actually went to the, the uh, lymphoma doctor who is very well known. And that's one of the reasons we've chosen him, even though his bedside manner was the best. He was the one that was running out of the room for me. But. He actually did the research studies, and I actually knew the research studies that he did because I did all my research work before then. And there was there wasn't any research done, and they didn't have any statistics on the percentages on uh, what what how how he would benefit from radiation. So I was with surgery because normally they don't do surgery with uh, uh, lymphoma. Mm-hmm. So it, it was kind of like, well, you don't have any studies on it, so why would you zap him with? You know, so much uh, radiation, which you didn't need all that radiation because, again, then you get, a, you know, down the road you can get other problems. So, you know, the, and they agreed with me and they said, well, I said, well, give him the, the minimum, you know, uh, radiation soak because it was going through his chest and, mm-hmm. you know, then you're touching all the organs and everything. So I actually, they did design a whole chart for me and stuff. And, but that's how involved I got. And, and I guess it would just, I don't know, something came over me when he got cancer. I said, that's it. I've had it, you know. Mm-hmm. I just, but you have to be involved, and that's why I tell people, too, when they go to the doctor, take three people with you. Exactly. You're not, mm-hmm. not going to hear something that somebody else may hear, because when you hear that word cancer, all these terrible things, your, your body just shuts down, your mind shuts down. And-, mm-hmm. and and you know what? Actually, I heard of a place uh right here in Michigan that is actually a company that does that, that they'll go with you if you don't have somebody to go with you. And and I also say if you don't have somebody to go with you, I mean, I can't imagine that someone doesn't have a friend who would offer to go. Buy one of those voice recorders and take it with you. You know, I mean, that's what we did. I mean, Doug would go in, God bless me, you know, take these notes. And, you know, he was just as freaked out as I was, you know. But if you don't take notes and stuff, then you could always... You know, you could always go back and, you know, I'm sure the nurses and doctors were like, oh, my God, she's calling again about something ridiculous, you know, but yeah. well, but it's me. Know. It's my it's my body. So, you know, what? You, you can't be afraid to talk to your doctor or, you know, the nurse or whoever is in the oncology department to say, hey, you know what? This is a this this is affecting me adversely. So is this normal? Do I need to go to the ER? Do you know, should I mm-hmm. whatever? I mean, I. I had a pretty good run as far as 
nausea because I didn't have I didn't really have nausea. But the first night I didn't take the nausea meds. Right. So I basically had like three hours worth of like bed spins like you would get when you were hung over. Uh-huh, uh-huh. And, you know, telling doctors about it later, they're like, well, why don't you just come to the ER? And I'm like, okay, mm-hmm. yeah, well, when I was, when I drank in college, I was able to handle it. But, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> but, but, you know, it's like, okay, well, I'm not going to go to the ER and tell them I'm nauseous. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> but, but, you know, you know, to go back to where we say, you know, to bring people, like you were saying, you know, you, you sit there and you're like thinking, you, okay, they're telling you all these bad things, and like I said, your body has an automatic shutdown when you, you're on overload. But, I mean, I even had somebody that actually went to the doctor. Now, this is how good the doctor was. He actually let me listen on her phone, you know, while oh, he was awesome. with her. Yeah, he did. And um, he, you know, because she said, I'm alone here, and I, I, you know, she said, I have Charlene on the phone. Do you mind? If she listens to the conversation, she put me on the speakerphone, and I was actually on the speakerphone and asked, actually could ask him questions, and she and he went along with that, and I thought he that probably was, regretted it. No, that, that you know that was Doctor Paco. He's a great doctor in, in Lyle and Chicago. Um, well, and I and I think with the advent of Facebook, and you know, it wasn't really I didn't really know about Facebook surprisingly when I was going through my treatment, but with you know the instant media, I mean, could you imagine if she was on Facebook and she typed in or on Twitter, it's like, I was alone at my doctor's office, yeah. doctor so-and-so, and he didn't let me listen, my friend listen in on the phone. Could you imagine? Right. Yeah. You know, I mean, well, yeah. that would just, that would just go right on their, their public profile. Yeah. And then they well, would just, you'd get a phone call from the PR department saying, we're sorry about that, you know. Yeah. But this was even years ago before even Facebook, but I mean, her, I, guess, I guess, yeah, Internet wasn't even there. I mean, it's just, this was many years ago. But I guess what I'm saying is there are doctors that will, you know, will, will let you do stuff like that. Or, right. you know, I, I didn't, I couldn't, I couldn't be with her physically. But, mm-hmm. you know, I would. You know, there are doctors that will give out their cell number. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Doctors yes. Yeah. Email you. Yes. Right. And then some, you know, that's, that's what I say, you know, you, you hire them. Like you said, you hire them and you can fire them. And, exactly. and we've seen so many people that go to doctors with just, you know, what are you going to them for? You know, like this, like this woman who's laying, a dear friend who was, you know, she came to be a good friend of ours and stuff and laying there dying while her doctor went on vacation. So I'm like, you know, you have to, you, sometimes in, in you have, like, people who just don't want to go out of the box and they feel comfortable. Mm-hmm. They don't want to offend the doctor. Oh, right? yeah, I, I hear that a lot. Yes, yes. And you know what? And even the doctors we work at the universities, uh, you know, they they come out and say, if you didn't ask for another doctor, then I, for another opinion, then I think there would be something wrong with you because you should. Right. And we do not take that offensive at all because... We expect you to go because they would go, you know. So it's very important, and we try to drum that through people all the time. Just get a second opinion. Mm-hmm. Got, we got three opinions, you know. Well, you know, people don't think twice if they're going to have their house painted yeah. or car repaired to get two estimates. <laughs> yeah. Well, this is your life. Yeah. Exactly. You know, yeah. Mm-hmm. I, I agree. And it's If the doctors concur, you have higher confidence. And, you know, people are under this impression a lot of times, well, that, you know, medicine is a pure science. And yes, it's called a, a science, but there's a lot of art involved and a lot of... Well, it's also you know, called practice, medical practice. Right. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, there's different options, different approaches, some people more conservative, some mm-hmm. 
willing to be more aggressive in treatment. So you need to take all that in account. And there's so much information out there, you know, on the Internet and elsewhere, which is mostly a good thing, but it's also, you know, there's unreliable information mm-hmm. and there's information you can look at the Internet and, you know, diagnose yourself with 10 things that can tell you. <laughs> Yeah, you have yeah. to sort of filter it and, and evaluate it. Dr. WebMD, exactly. Yeah, and, yeah. and, and, and that's... It's a mouse show. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> oh, flattery will get you everywhere, Scott. Um. <laughs> that's, how he, that's how he got me to... That's how I operate. Yeah. That's how he got me to Miriam. So oh. he flattered me and flattered me, and then after a mirror, that's it. He kind of <laughs> he kind of wore you, out, wore you down then? Yeah. yeah, he sizzled out, yeah. <laughs> so. Yeah, and I think, you know, with... Your guys is your uh, your radio show and your book and your foundation and what I do and like we were talking about Johnny Immerman and and Matt Zachary, I think we're finally getting to the point where a lot of hospitals and doctors are opening their eyes about oh well maybe we need like a standard for I think there needs to be a standard for the entire country as far as like what we what we were just talking about you know okay this is what we need to tell cancer patients when they first get diagnosed and here's you know here's a thing on survivorship because that really wasn't covered when i went through yeah right yeah, yeah. it was i well, mean I, they they I, the doctors you know god bless them but once you're done with i mean you're never really done with cancer let's be honest uh-huh. but once you're done with treatment that's you're you, it's not over you know i mean uh, i've yeah. written written about like my depression and everything and People say, well, how can you have a positive mental attitude and still be depressed? It's like, well, you can. It's very it's very bizarre. And unless you have been, it really doesn't make any sense. But, you know, that's... By that's, the way, that's a myth. What is, you know, the what? positive mental attitude. I, it, it's <laughs> wonderful if you can have it, honestly. But I didn't have it. I was, you know, I was convinced I was going to die. Oh, God, yes. Um, but I, I still made it through without a positive mental attitude because... Uh, that's not a myth. Just but also, what's more important than a positive mental attitude is the will to live. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And see, you know, with him, he just said, I'm not doing this, I'm not doing that, I'm just dying. I said, no, you will do this, and you will do that. If the cancer doesn't kill you, I will. So, it's, <laughs> you know, it's the less of two evils here. So I think he decided, well, I'd rather have the wrath of, uh, you know, that's, that's uh, not dealing with Charlene. So, but, Well, yeah, uh, I mean, you know, I... I talk about having a positive mental attitude but you know some people don't but that's yeah. okay i mean it worked for me right but you know, you know what you know it's, i mean i know it's not gonna i know it's not gonna cure me of i mean i don't like that to use that word because there's no cure for cancer but it's not going to make me cancer free but why do i want to go through life in a crappy mood yeah. all the time yeah, I mean, exactly yeah. you know I've i mean heard. it might work for scott but not for me that's all i'm saying yeah, yeah. <laughs> well you know what but I think there are cures for cancer. I think we're yeah, seeing they, it all yeah, the time. Yeah. I, you know, I consider myself cured. I mean, they do. Can they, it always come back? Yes, yeah. But they right. do say, and, and doctors are starting to say more now, like cures. You know, and they do. They did say, you know, after so much years with Scott's cancer, they consider it a cure. The type of cancer he has, the type of lymphoma. Right. There are types that are not. They come. You can only put them in remission, and they come back. They're going to come back eventually, but just depends on how long. So, right. but um, you know, with and I think another thing too, Chris. I'm talking about the caregiver side, and I did write a, a, a big chapter in the, um, the book too about care, caregivers because with Scott, he was just always just he was scared. He was down, and and I think mm-hmm. you know, you know, somebody. It's always nice when somebody's there for you because. And it was hard for me, too, and that's why I kind of go with 
caregivers, too, and try to help them out, too, because they're going through a lot, too, and it's kind of like, you know, you try to do everything for the patient, but you're not doing for yourself. And, I, and there was, I never cried in front of him because I didn't want him to know how how scared I was because I would go in bed at night and think he's going to die. What am I going to do? He's going to die. He had no control over it either. Right. And I mean, I used to go into my closet and cry because I didn't want him to hear. So there has to be like support for caregivers. Too. Oh, I agree. I agree. I mean, I don't know how Doug put up with me for, yeah, uh, or how he still does, honestly. Because, <laughs> you know, like I said, it's, as you know, you're never rid of cancer. No, it, it's a part of you. It, mm-hmm. it kind of, you know, and, and there are people who just have cancer and they walk away and that's it and, because they can't. But I don't know. But we, most of us, you know, every time you get a stomachache or yeah, pain, mm-hmm. something, mm-hmm. It's, there's always that little thing in the back of your mind that says, uh-oh. Exactly. Yeah. It's yeah. anxiety. I know when you go to the yeah. doctor. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So. But, you know, can you tell we're a little passionate here, Mel? I'm not, not at all. No, no. I'm like I said. I'm really surprised they put you on that board to begin with. <laughs> no, you know it's funny when we were doing the I don't know, we were doing a walk one time and I called. Uh, 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 it was a Steve Cochran in Chicago. He did a radio program and and I was just going out there to you know to kind of plug our walk and stuff and and I got on I got, I got on the, the you know the phone with him on, on the show and stuff and I just. I just went on and on about cancer, lymphoma and stuff. And then he goes, I just kind of took over. And he, he got off, when he got off of me, he sat on there. He goes, gee, you think she's a little passionate? She just took over my radio show. So, yeah, it, it, I think it is. It's a heart thing. You know, it's in your heart. You mm-hmm. know, exactly. Just, it becomes a part of you, your daily living. You know, it does. It, it's like, and you find yourself talking to cancer patients all the time. You find yourself helping them. Mm-hmm. It's just, you can't. I don't know. You can't walk away from it, I guess. You know. So, for any of you, wherever you might be in the world, <laughs> on September 18th, yes. uh, we're Which, wait, our- before you say that's my cancerversary, yeah. anniversary, when I was diagnosed or, you know. But thank you for having the bike race on there. Go ahead. And as I, I said, digress. you know, it was, a, I think, an appropriate tribute to you. Yes. <laughs> but it's the second yes. annual Out for Blood bike ride. And we'll post information in a, a couple of months on our website. But, mm-hmm. again, all the money people raise will go to cancer research. And we're going to probably have another fundraiser, we hope, this year with the world, with the uh, Stanley Cup champion Chicago Blackhawks. Oh, yeah, only with this. They won't be Stanley Cup champions next year, though. Sorry. Well, we'll have to wait and see. You know, I know the first half of the season uh, it was a little slow, but that's because mm-hmm. they've got about, they had about eight or nine different changes in their lineup. But right. they'll be there. Stan Bowman, I don't know if that told you, but he's the vice president of general manager of uh, the Blackhawks. He is the actual lymphoma survivor. So uh, he is on our board. And, oh. um, yeah, and, and he's so a heck of a nice he's Very nice. Very nice. Very nice. So we're going to do um, some type of fundraiser with them. And we we are we were anticipating starting our 5K walk, but we're kind of just figuring out what we're going to do uh, besides the stuff, it, depending on what we're going to do with the Blackhawks. So we're going to do some stuff this year, like always. Wow. I don't think you're doing enough, really. Yeah, I know. We, <laughs> we thought that, too. But <laughs> and then we do our Jefferson Award stuff, you know, too. So, um, yeah, we do that, too. We just had a din- our dinner. We have a dinner every every year in Chicago with them, and we have our dinner uh, gala in uh, in Washington. So we do a lot with them, too. Awesome. Um, okay, that's so, what we're here for, right? What's that? <laughs> that's what we're here for. Exactly. We're here to serve. We're exactly. here to serve. 
So, yeah. so tell me your uh, multiple websites again for our listeners. Oh, I don't know. Maybe ChicagoBloodCancer.org. We also, of course, have a Facebook group and a Facebook cause page, mm-hmm. CharleneAndScott.org. Um, you, can al- you can always find, find us on uh, Facebook, too, Charlene McMahon. I, I do a lot of, I, we, we announce a lot of our cancer stuff on Facebook, too. Mm-hmm. So yes. That and, um, and then we have our own website, which we put, try, you know, we're trying to keep up with it, but we're re- I'm really behind on it, too, so. And I think our phone number is 888-792-9992. Yes. And you can get your fantastic book, Battling and Beating Cancer, Cancer, cancer Survival Book, on there, as well as... Yeah, it's, it's on our website. Uh, did you really read it? <laughs> uh, I've, I've looked through it. I haven't had time to read. I, when oh. do I have time to read things, Scott? <laughs> I don't know, but, you know, we urge everybody to buy it because it's a great cure for insomnia. Uh, <laughs> and... And if you have a parrot or a bird, it makes nice lining in the bottom. Oh, yeah, that's what you said to me. And and I never, you know, with this radio show and the other one I do, I don't, and my my parents own an antique store, and my mom would sell books, and I could not, I just can't throw books away. And I don't know how people will want to read stuff on the iPad or Kindle, because I like the feel of an actual book, so... That's a whole other show, but yeah. Where's your mom's antiques? Uh, not that we're going off the subject. Where's, where's her antique sh- uh, shop at? Uh, in New Hampshire. Oh, where okay. I grew up. Yes. Mm-hmm. Well, so. hopefully, Mel, we're all going to live long, healthy lives to become antiques ourselves. Yes, exactly. <laughs> I will. Charlene was telling me that you are an antique, Scott. So. Um. Yeah. Well, it's <laughs> actually something of value. I'm just old. <laughs> Well, I didn't he's say her. Old. I said you. So he's he's an old soul, you know. He, he's an old soul. <laughs> yes. Even, even in his twenties, he you know he liked Frank Sinatra. You know that's his big thing. Frank Frank Sinatra. It's the only thing he listens to. Only kind of music. Not true. Oh, Dean Martin. I'm sorry, Dean Martin. Oh, the Rat Pack. He's, <laughs> he's... Bad. Yeah, that's that's him. You know me. I'm <laughs> I'm eclectic. I like every kind of music. So. Excellent. Well, thank you, Charlene and Scott, for joining me today. I'm going to wrap up like I usually do. This is the Cancer Warrior. You can always find me on Facebook because I am a Facebook junkie. Uh, Become a fan of the show on Facebook, The Cancer Warrior, on EmpowerRadio.com. You can find me on Twitter at Mel Majoros. Check out my new website, TheCancerWarrior.net. And you know what? Life looks pretty good from where I'm sitting. Sending you good vibes. It's The Cancer Warrior on EmpowerRadio.com.